I am so excited today to have Miss Katie Kinder. Uh, Katie Kinder came into my life through the Bridging to Resilience conference that we just went to. And I have to be honest, I had to have you on to have a chitty chat because all I saw were these teal glasses. And I was like, I need to find out what- I'm gonna send you some, I'm gonna send you a pair in the mail. I'm gonna put it in the mail today. <laughs> I love it. So Katie, I wanna know, I know that you have a huge, huge history, career in education. Uh, I want, I want to hear more about you. And then I have some deep dive questions for you. Okay. Well, I'm we super, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, Stacy was our keynote at Bridging to Resilience and she knocked it out of the park, everyone. So if you have not heard her keynote, wherever she's going to be next, you need to like find, find it and go and listen. So I loved your Thank stories you. about your daughter. I laughed, I cried. I mean, it was really, really good. And uh, I'm a study of all speakers. And so sometimes I go in like, all right, let's see. Let's see what we got here. And you you blew me away. So you were Thank so you. good. Um, yes, I've been a teacher, instructional coach since 2006. I'm English teacher, high school. I did some high school. And then uh, I really found my place in middle school, eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. And I am, as a speaker, I was also a study of the game as a teacher. You know, I would go and like find the best teacher in the building and I would just go and like be a sponge and listen and watch. And because your first couple years, <laughs> you don't know. You just... Yeah don't know what you don't know. And so I just became a study of the game and I loved it. I love kids. I love creating experience lessons around topics that are important to them. And I'm about innovation and engagement and how we got to keep up with our kids, especially post pandemic. They've been through a lot. Yeah. What? So I'm going to, I want to go back so that we can go forward. So okay. what in your life caused you to go, I want to be a teacher. How did you <laughs> land on this profession? Well, I was a petulant teenager. My mom is an education rock star in Tulsa. She turned around several schools. She is phenomenal. She's retired now. And she likes to call me on a Monday at 10 a.m. and be like, I'm having mimosas with your father. I'm like, live your best life. Um, and so <laughs> she said to me as I was growing up, like, I think you're a teacher. And so being petulant and a teenager, I was like, you don't know me. And so I went to, <laughs> how dare you speak into my life? Mother yes. who knows me better uh, than everyone. Right. <laughs> and so I went to school to, for public relations and at journalism. And I did, um, I did that and it wasn't awful. I didn't hate it, but it just wasn't like, it didn't make my heart pitter pat, you know? Mm -hmm. And I credit the muscular dystrophy association for showing me to my calling because I was working there doing event planning, fundraising. And once a month I got to work with the DECA chapters all across the state of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And when I pulled up to a high school, my heart, <laughs> they were my most favorite days. So I called my mom and I said, you were right. And she grounded me. And I was 24. <laughs> she took Good my mom. keys away. <laughs> and uh, so I went back and I got my certification. I stepped into a ninth grade English class and had zero 
experience, none. And that's why I say I, I became a study because like I started teaching the way that I'd been taught, which mm. was sit in straight rows, read out of the book, answer the questions in the back. And that's just not how, even in 2006, like that's not how we learn. Yeah. That's not how kids learn, especially in 2024, we have grown leaps and bounds. So I just started learning and growing and getting better. And that is kind of my journey. And then I started training and speaking and it's just led to some really cool opportunities. Yeah. Love that. So I want to chat with you. There's so much I want to chat with you about. So I'm going to try to be very clear on a couple questions, but one of the the experiences that I have is when you're a speaker, you go into these worlds where you don't know a lot about what's happening in the district. And sometimes you land and you're like, woo, what's happening here? And sometimes you're like, how do I help move this needle for educators? And so you're an educator, you show up with street cred because you're an educator, you show up, you're ready to do professional development. I want to, I have a lot of questions about this. One, are your professional development trainings fun? Absolutely. Come <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I think that's an important part because I think educators are tired and they're forgetting to have fun. Yeah, and, yeah. and and there's lots of movement, right? Absolutely. We're going to get up. We're going to move. We're going to do workshops. We are going to laugh. We are going to remember why we stepped in. Like, you know, there is not a teacher in the world who stepped into a classroom like, I think I'll sit at my desk and yell at kids all day. That is not ever how anyone starts. And so it's just about finding that spark. I also love to pour into my baby teachers. Um, mm -hmm. And that's my baby teachers in their first five years because they are leaving the profession 60% quit within the first five years. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like we're eating our young. So we, I do a lot of classroom management, uh, super fun, engaging things. How do you engage uh, these kids in their their brain research and what it looks like and that prefrontal cortex that we know is not <laughs> developed? And it's about just finding that passion, that fun and meaning in your work for yeah. sure. What is what do you think as both an educator but a speaker and in you know you've you have your hands in a lot. So what do you I think do. has been like a meaningful crossroads for you? What do you think has really pushed the needle for you as far as what you've learned, what mm -hmm. kind of books you've read? What are the resources that have pushed the needle for you? Well, I mean, early in my career, I got a hold of, you know, Ron Clark's message and books. And so I really started emulating some of the things he was implementing in his school, mm -hmm. uh, him and Kim Bearden, wonderful and then, you know, I got a hold of Dave Burgess, Teach Like a Pirate, that is like, became my teacher Bible for a while. And then I wrote my own book in 2021, which is uh, Untold Teaching Truths, which I really wrote for how do we do this? Like, how do we have classroom management, have engaging lessons, have like, and- it's Overwhelming, still, right? Yeah. And still thrive in sometimes a broken sphere. It's still pretty broken. And I'm over there duct taping desks together and trying to, like, how do we not get overwhelmed? How can we still thrive and make sure our kids are thriving? And so I wrote that. And I think um, what was really cool was when I became an instructional coach. 
And I had a principal friend who reached out to me and said, I want you to, I want you to be our instructional coach. I want you to come over. And I was like, I, it was a different building. I'd never been there. I didn't know the teachers. I was coming from a building where I'd been there for 10 years and I was like, okay, I'll do it. But I need, I need two model classrooms. Like I need you to give me students. So my teachers know that I can teach because Mm -hmm. when you walk in and you're like, I know everything they immediately turn their back. Right. And that's just, unfortunately, like they're like, okay, instructional coach. (laughs) Right. And so I needed to be in the trenches with them. Mm. And I was, I was. And so my baby teachers could come and watch me teach. And then I could spend the day with them and I could teach their classes. And even the vet teachers saw that like I could teach. And I was pretty good at it. And I had the same kids that they did. So we could troubleshoot together. And I think that's how you lead a school too. Like I think as a principal, as a, as an, a superintendent, like that you're rolling up your sleeves and you are jumping in classes and you're jumping in schools and that you are seen and visible every day. Yeah. Love that. So a couple of things I take out of that is the importance of relationship. Mm. Right. So in order to build relationship, you got to be in the trenches. You got to, I often say we don't take people where we're not not willing to go ourselves. And I like that. Right. I mean, I never ask a kid anything to do anything I wouldn't do. I don't ask teachers to do anything I wouldn't do. I'm sure as heck not going to go into somewhere and ask them to do something I wouldn't do also. And it sounds like that you really value that. And I love that. Uh, when you say untold teaching truths, give us a little, give us a couple of these little nuggets. I have some guesses, but I want to know what are some, uh, you know, I time mean, is this like huge asset. And one of the things we do for teachers is we just say, do this, do this, do this, do this. And we just layer the like we build cakes of layers and they're like, how are we going to do all of it? Right? right. So tell me some untold teaching truths. Well, I really struggled with the title and it's in that, in the book, in the foreword uh, where I, I'm just talking about what I wanted to call it. And I pulled my friends and all of the different things. And I landed on this because I love alliteration because I'm an English teacher. And it's really, you know, part memoir. Like Mm. this happened to me. This is where I failed. And this is what you can do differently at part classroom management, part engagement strategies, parts. I mean, it's storytelling And it's really, it's my story and it's how I teach in my, in my room. And so there's real strategies in there as well. And I just think it's the book. I wrote the book that I needed when I stepped into that classroom and didn't know anything. And uh, so that's what I say. Like, it's the book I would get in the hands of every teacher in the world. Yeah. Love that. So when you are chatting with teachers, coaching teachers, and you feel their exhaustion, Hmm. Where do you, how do you meet them? How do you meet them in that exhaustion and then help them co-regulate through it? Absolutely. I'm just connected with all of these teachers all over the nation that will like slide into my DMs like, Katie, Miss Kinder, this happened today. What should I do? And I love that. That's one of the things I love about the work is that once I'm connected to them, I'm always connected to them. And I do meet them in their exhaustion. I I get it. Like, cause I've been there. Like I know, and I really focus on like circles of influence. Like 
There are things, and I'm a big, like, you can fuss about all of these things at the State Department. You can you can be upset about what's happening nationally. You can be, like, high-stakes testing. You can, like, freak out about that. You can, but there's, mm-hmm. what can you control? Like, what are the circle, what is in your circle? And what's in your circle is your room mm. and your students. So sometimes, and I just posted this today on Twitter, Sometimes there's just a lot of noise and you got, and I have to say this to myself too, because I'm a big social justice, like, oh, we're going to, you know, <laughs> and I have to like, and my dad is the one that would say that to me because I would be fussing as a 16 year old, 17 year old, you know, about soccer, about boys, about this. And, and he would just, he would hold up a circle like this mm-hmm. and I'd be like, okay, okay. Circle of influence. And still as a 42 year old woman, I'm like, okay, circle of influence. What can I control? And it's really been a, like a mantra in my life. And, and so that's really what I start with. Like, can you control engaging in relevant lesson plans in your room? Absolutely. Can you laugh with kids? Like, can you, it's, it's hard sometimes because you got the IEP and the PLC and you got to go to this parent meeting and this parent's mad at you. And then you have to grade 350. Like I get it, but can you greet your kids at the door and smile at them and laugh and have a good time? You get them for one year. And that's really what I focus on. Love that. So in my life, we call those micro moments. Mm. Micro moments really make up what, who we are and how we're living our life. Right. Yeah. That whole turning down the noise. And so I think that overwhelm comes from all the input that we get that may not be actually appropriate for our life. Like I don't actually really need to read the news every day. It doesn't impact my circle of influence, right? My sphere. Right. Right. I don't need to know what's going on in 14 other classrooms with all these other kids because they're not in my classroom. hundred percent. hundred percent. I love that. I love, I think that's a really important lesson that I often think is really missed. And so I appreciate that you really, you're really talking through that. And then how do teachers, how do teachers absorb that when you say that? It depends. There's a spectrum. Uh, There's a spectrum. Usually it's really positive just to like give them the time to collaborate, to talk things out. They don't get it. So when they do get a PD day and they bring in a, you know, PD presenter or whatever, and they're like, oh, I need time in my classroom. I need this. Like, I get it. Uh, and then they'll leave and be like, God, that was really, that was, that was awesome. And I'm like, well, good. Like stay in contact. Let's talk about it. And they, it's, it's good. People are like, you remind me that I can be fun, that I can laugh with kids, that kids are more than a piece of data. I think a lot of times, you know, they're like, well, this, these are your scores. And this kid is, you know, why is this kid doing this and that? And why aren't they reading? And I'm like, I don't know. Are they loved? (laughs) Have we loved them first? And I think I give them license to do some of that. And when we love our kids and when we have engaging lesson plans and when they know you're pouring into them every day, they are going to learn. They Mm -hmm. are. And not learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, As you're, is your classroom safe? Like that's number one. Are you, is it physically safe? Is it, you know, psychologically safe? And so those are the kind of things that I focus on. Yeah. Love that. When you talk about safety, let's just, let's just go there for a few minutes. So what creates a safe classroom? Uh, I think, you know, that's first 
six to nine weeks are exhausting. There's a reason that teachers come home and are like, oh, those first six to nine weeks, because you are teaching procedures. And I'm always about like, yes, we have fun, but everything is flat rigorous. I mean, it's up here. I hold kids to high expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's doing what's right for kids, holding them to high expectations. And so some things that are allowed at home aren't going to be allowed at school. And I just use a lot of love and logic, like, because you are going to have a kid come in and like, take the pencil and throw it up and try to stick it into the ceiling or like talk across the room to his buddy. And then that can very quickly get out of control. Right. And then nobody's learning because nobody's safe. And so I just use a lot of love and logic. Like, Oh, you don't realize Stacy, that we don't talk out in this kinder's room. Do you have a question? Like right now we're doing individual work. Like, do you have a question? And I just smile at them and like, they pretty quickly like get it. Yeah. And so you know, a lot of my principals will have sent a new teacher and they're like, well, I didn't know we could do that. And I'm like, you didn't know you could tell them, hey, I love you too much for that. We're not going to, we ain't playing today. And, and they don't, they're going to push boundaries because they're kids, like hundred percent, but they don't really want a chaotic classroom. That's scary. And they don't want to be in charge. They want you to be in charge. And I say that all the time, like we have each other's backs, we're going to be kind and they start to believe it and practice it. And it's awesome. Yeah. Love that. I often tell teachers, you're the cortex, teachers are the cortex, and so, right? Because that prefrontal cortex isn't totally developed. And so when we talk about boundaries, we talk about holding expectations, we talk about restoration, we talk about all those restorative practice. Teachers are the cortex. I love that. Cortex. Because they don't have one. They don't have one. They're not capable of that decision-making, problem-solving, critical thinking. They can't go, oh, I'm talking out across the classroom and that's distracting 17 of my buddies. I, they're, no, and kids are selfish. They have to focus on themselves. So I love those really important examples because safety is not only, and you say six to nine weeks, that's such a critical time frame. Safety isn't created in one day. It's not Mm -hmm. created in one interaction. It's not created in one micro moment. It's created in this extended period of time that is exhausting where you're holding expectation, you're setting boundaries, your, your energy is also excited Yeah, here to learn. And we got business to take care of. So let's figure out how to do that as a group. And it can be, I mean, it's difficult. Like, don't get me wrong. It's it's not easy. And I'm a morning person. So like 730 in the morning, I'm like, yeah. And after lunch, I get into a carb coma and I have to remember, like, it's not fifth and sixth hours fault that they have me at the end of the day. Like I've got to drop that mic every day. I've got to bring that energy to them. And oftentimes my kids at the end of the day, they are tired too. And they've been doing rigorous things, but they become my favorite classes because I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's get down to it. And if I can hold my energy up, then they will too. Yeah. Yeah. How much of your story has been self-reflection, deep dive into understand your own nervous system, understanding mm-hmm. your own needs. As you're talking about, like after lunch, I have this energy dip. Yeah. I got to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. How much of that, how much time have you spent just observing and noticing yourself? 
I really, I want to say in the last like five years, really like at the pre-pandemic, 2018, 19, 20, we really started getting into that mm -hmm. and noticing like regulating and how to breathe. And I teach my kids that too. Like I have a whole sequence of the brain-based classroom, like col how colors matter and how movement matters and how, and I teach my kids that too. And I think it's really important that the adults in your life can regulate because the kids can't regulate if you're out of control. And we know that. And that's hard. That's it's messy human work. Like you can have a kid <laughs> come blow up your classroom and it has zero to do with you. And maybe they're going to harm another kid that's in your room and who you love. Like, I mean, you're put in some spots that are, that are tight. And I think it's remembering to breathe and to regulate and then also to apologize when you are human. Like, hey, I got frustrated and I said that and I'm worried about it and I'm going to apologize to you. Like, we're never going to be too big to apologize to our kids. Like, we can't. Like, we have to go find them and say, hey, I'm sorry. Usually my kids are like, Miss Kinder, like, why are you worrying about that? That was yesterday. Like, we're over it, you know. And so I think that's really important. Well, and those relationship fractures are important to repair. And it sounds like Absolutely. when you seek them out, you're modeling that, right? You're yeah. you're not going to ask them to do something you're not willing to do, even mm -hmm. if they don't think it's a big deal. And it's interesting to me that you said 18, 19, 20, we were starting to do some of the self-reflection. We're starting to ask students to notice. We're starting, and then pandemic hits. Oh my gosh. So what have you observed from these beautiful pandemic years because I feel like it's catching up, right? Like we're there. We're, we've noticed the developmental lapse. We've noticed that there's some things that are occurring. Uh, this week I was at a basketball game and I, it was a high school basketball game. All of the high school boys were sitting in one place in the audience and all of the high school girls were sitting in another place. And I really tuned into that. And I was like, this is what they used to do in middle school. And now right, right. We have not integrated. I'm very concerned about what this means socially yeah. down the yeah. road. So what are some things you've observed since we've been through this major global yeah. trauma? I mean, they are global trauma. They are missing that two year like chunk, that gap, like those integral years. And my, I mean, my own kids were in middle school when it happened. Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And so I can see it with them too. Like they're just a little bit, you know, my husband will be like, our daughter's a junior. Why would she think that? I'm like, mm. you know, there's just some, some emotional maturity that we're missing. What I've noticed too, like anything pre-pandemic that we were struggling with as teachers and educators and teaching kids was just magnified by a hundred post-pandemic. So yeah. our kids who are tech addicted, our kids who can't talk to one another without blowing up. They're deeply isolated, and I think it has become part of our mission and job to teach them how to speak to one another, and I think a lot of teachers miss that because they're like, okay, well, we're going to read, and then we're going to answer the questions you're going to write, but what about the speaking? Like, think about how babies develop. Like, they start babbling first, and they, and that's what we need to be doing with our kids, like sitting in Socratic circles and talking about text or feelings or, you know, and bringing the academic language up here. And so that is something that I 
love to do with my kids and teach them how, how to do that moving forward as an adult. Yeah. I love that. I think that the idea of just kids practicing talking to each other in person, face to face is something that's so critical. And what I've noticed is teachers who are allowing middle school and high school kids to just have those conversations, five or 10 minutes, just checking in with each other. Let's actually have a discussion. Our phones are put away. We're not snapping. We're not looking down. We're looking at them. Those relationships are starting to build and those kids are feeling safe. That's a piece of that safety. Uh, I think, and we talked about this at the Bridging to Resilience Conference, kids these days are struggling with just interacting with each other. It's really hard to read those cues. Do you think that needs to be in place for kids to learn? Do I think speaking needs to be in place? The connection and the talking to each other. Oh, absolutely. And this is what I tell my teachers too. Like there's no AI or chat GPT or any sort of technology that's going to replace you because there's, you have to walk alongside kids during tough things. And that's a human connection. And we are meant to connect. We're built to connect. We're built to go to bridging to resilience and listen to you and get up and talk to the person next to us and, and learn together. And that is how, you know, kids who are deeply connected learn better than kids who feel isolated. Like that's just research. We know that. So yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. I just think it's important to reiterate that. Okay. So we're, we're digging into the most important question that I have for you. I need to know about these teal glasses. Stacy. <laughs> I, you, if you, you are so known though. I tried to get into one of your breakouts and it didn't line up with all the things. Uh, and then all these people are like, just walking around. Like that was the best day of my life. And I'm like, how did I miss this? How did I miss the best day of my life? So I wanted to, because it's like, well, it, here's what I like about it. Okay. One, it immediately brought people together. Okay. Before you answer this question of what these are about. Okay. Two, it is a tangible item that someone is holding onto that reminds them of what you taught them. Mm. And so every time they see those, they're like, oh, Miss Kinder taught me this. Oh, Katie's there. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And then I'm like, uh, it's also just awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll stop talking. Well, they became kind of like, it was on accident. Like I had, you look at some old posts of me. I have on red glasses. I have on, you know, black ones. I have like, and I would have different ones for different, but I started really wearing these like every day. And (laughs) I would be standing outside of a breakout room waiting to go in to speak and they would have looked through the app or the program and people were already coming up to me before I spoke and being like, oh, like you're the, you're the speaker. And I'm like, I am. And then I had friends and it wasn't just me. Like I had friends be like, you've got to lean into this. And so we started to, and I started getting those fake glasses and I, I really, I think it was Darren Pepper, Dr. Darren Pepper, who said, you need to get fake ones and throw them out. 
And I'm like, well, that's a really good idea. So I found them that, that look pretty similar, but they're, they don't have lenses. And there's a little tag on them that just says, if you hashtag Katie Kinder from OKC, Untold Teaching Truth. And I would throw, you know, put them out. And then people went nuts for them. <laughs> And I even have like, I have a a buddy here and I've I've just started embedding it in everything. Like there's always going to be a pair of these teal glasses in anything that I do. And it has made me really recognizable. Like people be like, you're that teal glasses lady. Like I saw you on. And then people are walking around the conference with their fake ones. And I have people like, I need a pair. Will you send to me in the mail, please? I'll Venmo you. I'm like, I'll suck, you know. Uh, so funny. And they are. And I love that you said that. You're going to make me cry. Like, yeah, they're a they're a representation of that. And I have a friend who is still in the classroom and teaching middle school. And he was like, I need a pair of those glasses. And I'm like, okay. So I, I took them over to his middle school and I got to hang out with his class and he was doing a Socratic seminar with sixth graders. And he was like, they just don't know, like they have to be wearing the glasses to speak. So mm-hmm. these kids are like, you wearing know, putting the glasses. glasses. He texts me like, they broke. I need you to come today with, with other ones. I brought him like five pairs. I'm like, here. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me what about that makes you feel those like feelings? Like what about that tears you up? Well, I mean, just like, you know, we have students years later come back and be like, gosh, remember that lesson that you did? And I have, I have a kid that just messaged me last week and she was like, Miss Kinder, I am at, I'm at UCO, which is a college close by my house. And she was like, I, didn't know what my major was going to be, and but I just decided that I want to be an English teacher. I want to be, I want to be the you that I had, and I'm like bawling. And yeah. now, like my new, my new mission, my new goal is to love on all of these baby teachers and to to remind them that I'm, it's that you're not alone. And gosh, that makes me want to cry. Stacy Nation, oh. you're good at it. Gosh, you're good at it. Well. <laughs> I, I think it's really important to say this to you, Katie, because this is the first real conversation you and I've ever had. So our <laughs> listeners probably don't know that. And <laughs> I think it's, there's, there's something, I say this to people who like you, you never underestimate the power of your impact mm. and yeah. you are impacting people all over the world. Oh. And it's so important for you to just know that how you show up, who you are, the authenticity of an alignment in your energy and your honesty impacts people in a way that is changing a really oppressive system. Yeah. And it's so, I just wanted to, I needed to say that to you today because it's important for you to hear that because when you're in the grind, you got a family, you know, You're out, you're out speaking, you're out traveling, you're out changing the world. And there's a lot to that, right? There's a lot when you're, when you're in a different state and you're like, oh, I'm back at my hotel. I could be with my family. What am I missing? You are giving parts of yourself to change a system that's really important. And I just appreciate that so, so much. Well, thank you so much. It's, I mean, it's an honor to be here today with you. I think we're going to need a round two, or at least <laughs> we're going to have to go to dinner the next time we're together in the same space. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So tell people, how can we find you? I mean, I found you because I hunted you down, but how do we find you? <laughs> um, you can go to katiekinder.com. I'm on all the socials, 
and you can find me at Until Teaching Truth on Instagram. You can, I'm Googleable, which sounds weird to say. Somebody messaged me the other day. was like, I forgot your name from Ohio Middle Level Educators. But I remember that you were that teal glasses lady. And I put that in and it came up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> This is awesome. I love that. I love that. Okay. So so if you are listening and you want professional development, you want a book study you could do with your teachers, you want to reach out katiekinder.com. Katie's on all the DMs. You will not be disappointed in your energy and connection with Katie. So thank you for having me here. This was fun. Thanks for being with me. I said for having me here. Thanks for being with me. For you being with me. (laughs) All right. Bye. I will see you soon.